Hi everyone, welcome to See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. And today's podcast topic is laughter and emotional intelligence. So I came about this idea for the podcast because I'm doing a presentation next week, a keynote for early childhood educators, and it's called Laughing Our Way to Better Teaching. And it really is about establishing a foundation for teaching emotional intelligence skill building by introducing laughter and silliness and playfulness and just all that great fun into our classrooms. And we have incredible resources, silly songs, books, stories. We have games that we use for transition, for grabbing children's attention, for distracting children from things that are dangerous or not great ideas in groups. And we become these Pied Pipers of silliness. But my point for the workshop next week is that these aren't just casual, fun things that happen accidentally. They are the cornerstone of being an early childhood educator because that's how we make the emotional connection and the relationships that help children to learn in all other areas. So if cognitive skills, if reading, literacy, math skills, everything is built on having a brain that feels safe and calm and connected, which we know it does from all of that whole brain, whole body research, then Let's use the idea of laughter as a strategy for parents, for parent routines, rituals, for our homes, for our cars. Um, so let's talk about the value of immaturity um, because it really is a way for us to connect to children where they are. Um, so. I just had to say this, like, are we having fun yet? You know, this idea of where does the fun come from? And I believe kids are naturally drawn to laughter. Actually, I did find a study um, in the last month or so by a psychologist named Casper Adiman, And he says, you want to know what makes babies laugh? One word, people. If you want to make it two words, it's adult attention. So it's, it is peekaboo. Peekaboo is the number one way to get universally get babies to laugh around the world, but they only do it with people that they love and trust. So in all cases of laughter, it's about a connection. And then he also went on to do some research with four-year-olds um, to see how contagious laughter is. And do children laugh more if they're in larger groups of children laughing? And the answer that he found is that children laugh more when it's shared um, and they will look around for someone to share their laughter, but they only need one person. And more than one person doesn't add to the robustness or the extent of the laughter. Um, it's just more people to share with. So um, laughter is about sharing. It's about human connection. And, and we know from all the brain research, remember that old podcast that we did on amygdala hijacking, that we need the upstairs brain, the executive function thinking part of the brain to manage the fight and flight reactions of the brain, the raw emotions 
that set us off into reactions and extremes and in the case of toddlers meltdowns um, because they don't have the ability to think and feel and regulate um, with those knowing what their strengths are and how to um, calm themselves listen so that they can get past the the places where they get stuck in their world so let's talk about using laughter as a form of connection in our homes and in our families so um I, so one of the other um statements that i'm going to say in my workshop next week is the only way to maturity the only way to self-regulation to self-management to cultivating executive function in our brains is through immaturity the idea that we have to see where our see all the places where we fall apart in order to understand how do we create a process for ourselves and the people we love if we're the the adults helping children or the children who help us to see our vulnerability um, how do we use that immaturity to guide us um, immaturity becomes a growth mindset if you will the idea of oh this is a place i need help this is a place i'm vulnerable so um, let's look at how laughter and being relaxed and calm and silly helps with enormous educational value. First of all, as I said, it helps us understand where our strengths and our vulnerabilities are so that we can teach um, and complement the places that we need extra structure, support, routine, and skills. It is the antidote to performance pressure and competition. I don't think the kids are competing, but um, we as grown-ups do compete a lot. So, but it, but there is a sense where busyness of schedules, um, to-do lists, having a lot to do in a day, having a lot of places to be, a lot of places to be on time, having expectations in those classes, in those situations, whether it's a family time class or going out to lunch, but all of those world constraints and boundaries remind us that we need places to let loose to fall apart it's it's like when your child falls apart when they see you at pickup after a day at school it doesn't mean they they didn't have a great day it means they used all of their skills to be mature and so they need to have pressure valve releases where they can let off steam um, let off expectations um, so it is a emotional release but it's not an emotional release that's a negative it's an emotional release that becomes an emotional intelligence tool for resilience and optimism. Because if I can incorporate silliness and laughter as a way to be flexible, in a way to get myself unstuck, in a way to see a different perspective on something that might feel heavy or weighted, do two-year-olds have things that make them feel weighted and heavy? Sure, going to bed at night is really taxing for a toddler. Um, sitting at a table is taxing. Not having your paper um, respond the way you want it to respond when you're creating art. Um, there's a lot of frustrations in children's worlds. So um, laughter does make the heart and, um, and the soul much lighter. It does 
cognitively create flexible thinking. And so every time children learn there's another way of doing something, there's another way of looking at something. Um, the other thing with laughter, and I'll talk about it in a few minutes, is, you know, when you flip reality, um, you know, when cows bark, for example, something that simple is a way of manipulating reality, which is a way of manipulating ideas, which is a way of creating Flex, literally flexible thinking because children are m manipulating ideas in their brain and not just real live animals um, that they're m walking around with their fingers. Uh, it decreases feelings of helplessness. If I can laugh or make someone laugh, I feel powerful, uh, masterful, especially if there's a joke that I can repeat a thousand times and everybody in a family time class knows that we put spiders on our heads and we say, there's a spider on my head, on my head. Oh no, I have to sneeze, ah, chew, and he falls down. Well, children will repeat that hundreds, if not thousands of times. And again, the power and mastery of repetition, um, of having a shtick that you can do over and over, is feeling powerful and competent. So takes away feeling helpless. And kids feel helpless all the time because grown-ups are always telling them what to do. And it will help to improve communication and limit setting and that old word, word of discipline. Because if children, um, have that resilience and flexibility, then they will come through the struggles and challenges of rules and boundaries and expectations in much, much better ways. Alrighty, so I have four kinds of funny that I like to talk about. One is slip on a banana peel funny. This is just straight up slapstick humor. And now again, you know, everybody thinks of the old Three Stooges or the Marx Brothers maybe as being not kind. This isn't about laughing at somebody who slips on the banana peel. This is the idea that if somebody slips and is okay, it's the relief of, oh, something bad could have happened, but it didn't. And so I know this is a deep sense of humor and um, emotional competence and executive function because of a game I play with toddlers and that is five in the bed and the little one said roll over roll over and one fell off and bumped his head and when I do that I bang my head almost to the table I make a crazy face I say that hurt and they all look at me like did it and it only takes one or two times till they realize, no, she's pretending it didn't hurt. Straight up, slip on a banana peel humor. So the idea of that is it's just funny in the most basic, simple way. It's physical humor and it's developmental because it allows children to break the rules of the things they're not supposed to do. Underwear funny and it's not so great with, um, with the under two, but certainly from potty training age on, everything about underwear is funny. And if you just Google underwear books or email me, I've got lists of them. I think there's a list in the, um, um, uh, the, the my potty training book, whatever the name of that book is. And, um, but there's lots of new ones that keep coming out every year. Scholastic has great, funny underwear books. 
but it's also boogers and snot and slime. And why is slime funny? Because it's just that gross is funny. Things that are private, things that you're not supposed to do. Burping is funny. Um, that's why I love those dinosaur books. And then there's word funny. How do you play with language? As soon as kids become verbal, um, but it's it's the same as the pre-verbal kids. And you know, one of the dads got me to do um, the three itsy bitsy spiders, itsy bitsy mumbo jumbo, and teensy weensy um, with the babies, which I never thought to do. But the idea that there's three kinds of the same spider that goes up the water spout, and anyways, playing with language is funny. So giving children, and I'll give you some examples in a little bit, um, how to make nonsense words, how to use rhyming words, how to substitute the wrong word with older kids, how not to say blue for an hour or don't say mommy. Um, try getting through a day where they don't say mommy or a yes day. There's so many great ways to play with language. But again, as children become more adept at language learning, at reading and writing, these are the surprises and the and a sophistication. Um, it's pre-K sophistication. It's not grown-up sophistication. But you get to see developmental ages and stages of kids really growing more mature in how they can play with language. And then the last one is never thought of it that way funny because that's the cognitive. That's straight up manipulating ideas, changing rules, cars that fly, dinner for breakfast, backwards day, inside out day, all of those ways that we change reality. And that helps children to become creative, innovators, problem solvers. And as I said before, it gives them fresh perspectives and allows them to to, to really manipulate thinking and ideas so that they can become constructors of meaning and solutions when they're adults. Um, it's also about control and order. Again, so much about being young and little and vulnerable and immature is that you can't control the world. If you're still figuring out the world, how can you control it? So humor makes it bite-sized pieces that they can control and order it and make their own rules, whether it's for a game, whether it's for language, whether it's about a story or uh, a silly slap, uh, slapstick slip on a banana peel. So what do I want you to do for looking at resources of how to incorporate this in your day? Um, of course, all of the Eric Litwin books post Pete the Cat are the things that he's been doing mostly for Scholastic. The Nut Family, Sing and Dance in Your Polka Dot Pants, if you're nutty and you know it. Um, I love the idea of this book called um, Parts by Ted Arnold, where a little boy, he's actually going to lose his tooth in the end, 
but he starts worrying about losing his parts after he sneezes and something comes out of his nose. Again, it's funny because it's physically funny and a little bit gross, but then it's also, I didn't think of it that way funny. Silly Sally and backwards upside down days. You know, when, when your child is giving you uh, a meltdown or a tantrum or you're in the grocery store and you pretend that your feet are glued to the floor, you know, you just have a way of using physical humor to distract, to redirect, um, five little monkeys. Um, I do a balls in the hat where I put ping pong balls in a bat in a hat and I say one, two, three, abracadabra, come out balls and the balls go flying through the room. I will tell you with toddlers it scares them the first time but after 18 months they're like I don't know where those balls are gonna go I might get hit by one this is crazy the teachers out of control um, that that brings levity joy um, surprise if you want children to be curious if you want children to have a sense of wonder let them be surprised so then let's get to underwear. My favorite underwear song is Big Underwear by Joe Scruggs. There's Monsters Love Underpants by Claire Friedman and Ben Court. Underwear by Mary Elise Monzel. The Underpants Zoo. I guess everybody needed to go get a pen and paper to write all this. Don't forget Walter the Farting Dog and the, the, the YouTube video called I Poop. What could be better than that? Um, you know, think about that old worm song when from your, your childhood and camp days. Everybody hates me. Nobody likes me. I think I'll go eat worms. That that's, it fits in my underwear category because it's just gross. So I just want you to remember what it was like to be a kid. And, you know, teachers have these bags of tricks that they use. And every teacher has their own bag of tricks because we take ownership, um, something that fits us, something that gets us just the right laugh. And every teacher is different. And so too for you guys as parents. You know, maybe dads are a little bit better at this than moms. I'm not sure. Um, if you want to write to me or post on Facebook or Instagram, who's funnier and why and how, I'd love to hear those stories. Um, and then let's get to word funny. Um, there's just so much. Um, way back to the old Dr. Seuss days, you got Mr. McBoing Boing. You know, you've got for the new books, wonky donkey look at him on youtube it's hysterical and the british grandmother that's reading wonky donkey on youtube she's reading it to a baby i learned it from miss dorian in pre-k so you know what are the right ages sometimes you don't know sometimes something that looks like a pre-k funny turns out to be a baby funny um miss dorian also told me about i say ooh you say ah Again, it's a language book, it's a great book, it's turn-taking, you know, there's all of these great books of, you know, don't press the button, anything that says don't. Um, it's word funny and it's also didn't think of it that funny because you have to flip reality. If I tell you don't do something, you have to think about what I'm doing and do something else. Um, also. There's just so many. Um, I think of Groovy Joe and the Disco because it's a party bow wow book and song. Eric Litwin, Down by the Bay, 
down by the bay. I always make the joke when I play, play it in class that you could sing down by the bay from Boca to, to Orlando on your way to Disney. How long can you make a, a rhyme last? Think about those car games to play. Just, just, you know, what about the, the name song? All those old crazy songs. Oh, I love um, Lion Sleeps Tonight in the jungle. You know, a whim away, a whim away. I mean, just think of crazy words. Use them in, in discipline situations. Use them at bedtime. Use them at bath time. You all have to go home and make, your, make up some, some, some shtick of your own. Um, what about tongue twisters? Just silly, silly things. And I have some that I prepared for this workshop, but just Google them. Look on Pinterest. Great resources out there for you to be silly, laughing, be playful. And what if discipline guidance, limit setting. You know, discipline feels like such an old-fashioned word to me these days because um, it feels like tough love negative, and it's not. It's just how do you maintain rules and order and sanity in a house, in a classroom, in a car. Um, discipline isn't what you do when there's a conflict or a crisis. Discipline is what you do from the moment you wake up till the moment you go to bed and how well everybody in the family sleeps through the night. So if that's true, then your funny shtick is what helps alleviate stress, alleviate pressure, keep balance in a day, help you bounce back from the stressful moments because we know there's always going to be stressful moments. Okay, so um, that, the, the never thought of it that way funny. For those of you that come to family time classes, we sing a song, I am slowly going crazy. One, two, three, four, five, six, switch. Crazy going slowly, am I? Six, five, four, three, two, one, switch. And it goes faster, 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 faster. Well, I just do it with drums in the classroom because we have kids under two. But when I went on YouTube, I realized where well, there's some really funny shirtless boys, some brothers that are doing it, and they put their hands on the sides of their face and then above and below their face and that's their switch as they go faster and faster the classic way um, the old camp way seems to be a hand on your on your cheek and the other hand on that elbow that's bent to the hand on your cheek look on YouTube you'll see it um, and then it switches but again funny 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 and what mom and dad don't want to sing a song I am slowly going crazy. So that just helps people to know, yeah, we can name that feeling, we can be funny through it, and we can release our crazy by going faster and faster. I also like an older book called Be Glad Your Dad's Not an Octopus. But again, anything that says what something is not, whether it's the simple books, this is not a box to everything else it can be, but just looking around the world, what if, you're, what if you're just driving in the car or, or and saying, you know, that's not your school, um, that's not your grandmother's house. You know, what if you just get playful about what something is not while you're pointing at the world? Um, and the other one that you've heard me talk about on the podcast many, many times is the song, and there's a YouTube video, I'm hungry, I need a Band-Aid. But again, that idea of how do you identify needs, but knowing that you're going to get it wrong. So I'm tired, I need a Band-Aid. Um, hungry, I need a Band-Aid. Uh, 
all the ways that a band-aid isn't going to make you feel better or fix the problem. But then again, it gives you something in your toolbox that when you're trying to understand what your child needs, you can go, should I get out a band-aid? Um, and help them try to figure out, oh, shift into executive function part of my brain and figure out what do I need and will that help me? No, that's not what I need. And no, I don't want to sit in my car seat. And no, I don't want to do any of the options you're giving me. But Magda Gerber once said, once you engage the brain and thinking, slowly the the, um, amygdala response in the brain starts to... Uh, dissipate and 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 you start getting into thinking brain so that you are juggling them thinking and feeling. Um, Lori Berkner always has great songs like Fish on Bicycles. Um, the classic that I love, the Bev Boss version, but there's many ones. Oh, I want to be a dog. Uh, um, I want to wag my tail. The idea of children being able to pretend to be something else. Um, and, and I think the dog goes and pees on poles. So again, you get a little bit of um, underwear humor in there too. Um, anyways, there's a million examples, but I will end with this idea that we used in another podcast where I was talking about parenting improv. What if the secret of emotional intelligence is the idea of being able to be present in a situation, accept the situation for what it is, but then introduce a flexibility and a collaboration that says the rules of improv work for grown-ups and for kids, where you can really connect and listen to the moment, say yes and, with humor, silliness, and fun. Um, And the big part, if you remember from the Improv podcast, is dare to fail. Or as we said it um, in that other podcast, dare to suck. There's going to be times when you're trying to use humor that it flops. I remember one quote from Robin Williams when he was being interviewed on Actors Studio. And he said, and they're like, but you're a genius. You always get everything. You know, you always make people laugh. You always know how to rift so well. And he was like, are you kidding? Sometimes you throw out a joke and it lands like a turd in a punch bowl. And so I think that's a perfect example. If the greatest comics of all time know they're going to fail, as often as they're going to succeed, why can't we, as teachers and as parents, um, go for the humor and know that sometimes it's not going to go the way we planned, sometimes we're going to make a fool of ourselves, sometimes we're going to land flat on our faces, Uh, but I think in the end, if we strive for laughter and emotional intelligence, our lives will be just a little bit easier, our connections will be that much deeper, and uh, there'll be more joy. So have a great week and um, wish me well. I've got uh, a lot of workshops coming up in the next uh, two weeks, but I'm really, really excited. So I'll be around. I don't think we'll be podcasting next week. So um, catch you in two weeks. Bye. So that's the mess for today. We appreciate you listening to See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. Seeing little people learn and grow. Listening to parents taking a crazy, uncertain journey. Loving the fun and loving the mistakes. You write the rules. You write your story. 
We just want to be part of the conversation. But in the end, we know you got this. We'll catch you next week. Take care. Wait, wait, wait. One more thing. If you liked our podcast, please tell a friend. Or even better, write us a review at iTunes. We'd also like to invite you to join us on Facebook. That's with me, Karen Deerwester. And check out the parenting resources at FamilyTimeInc.com. You'll also find us on Twitter at at FamilyTimeInc and Instagram at Karen underscore FamilyTime. Thanks for listening today. Thanks to everyone at B'nai Torah Congregation for this wonderful space. Thanks to Darren Littman for the great intro. And thanks to The Front and the Follow for the song Listen. We are listening. See you next week.